I'm Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. It's not too often your dream of playing baseball leads you to becoming one of 30 team photographers in Major League Baseball before the age of 20. My guest, Brace Himmelgaard, pulled off that feat and has flourished for the last 11 years with the Minnesota Twins. Joe Maurer's last game in 2018, he put on the catcher's gear for the first time since his concussion. He had played first base for four or five years, and we thought it might be his last game, and then the morning of that game, my my boss, Dustin, called me into his office, closed the door, and told me that Joe was going to catch a pitch that day, and that if I told anyone, I would be fired, and Joe wanted me to be around and to know that that was happening. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from sports writers, Oscar winners, and Professor Michael Coronado. Uh, you know, I've had situations where I've had to um, actually sit back and think about, okay, how am I covering this story? Do I have an implicit bias walking into this? And yeah, absolutely. I covered, uh, as a reporter, I covered the Minuteman Project for the Orange County Register. Oh, which, right, 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 right. right and I, I was one of the people who broke that story nationally because the founder was in a city that I would cover. And right. I happened to go to his condo and sit there with him and his chihuahua. And Jim was saying, Mike, I, I think I just want to, I want to try to get these patriots to go to the border and from there it became a week-long adventure where i was in arizona and i was in mexico covering the border where everybody all a bunch of people were dressed as white or carrying shiny revolvers go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into my conversation with brace himmelgaard I am excited that I have what I believe is one of the top five, and I'm going to probably throw 25 people under the bus in Major League Baseball, one of the top five photographers shooting in baseball today, and I'm going to, and I'm going to pin it down to baseball so I never, not everybody else uh, gets pissed at me, but I've got you today in the, in the podcast, Brace. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am Thanks great. for having me. I am... I am pumped. We only met once. Far, I wouldn't even say first base. It was in right field at the All-Star game in San Diego. Do you remember that, where they put us? Yes, we were We were closer to the foul pole than we were to uh, anywhere in the infield, that's for sure. We were probably closer to your home stadium than we were to home plate. <laughs> that's the farthest I've been at a ballpark, I think. I, I didn't even know those, those spots existed, so God knows where poor Jessica found those and had to stick the team people. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you are on fire with your club. You are making some unbelievable images. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's uh, definitely a fun team to work for, and uh, it's energizing to, to show up every day and work for, work for a club that appreciates uh, photography like the Twins do. That's, that's, that's it right there. If you get an organization that buys into your vision, it's easy. That's the best way to put it. I mean, it's, uh, I've been with them now that I just finished my 11th season. So it's, uh, there's usually not a lot of turnover. So there's a lot of trust going on within, within the organization and believing in what we do and what our department does. And, uh, it, it's shown through, uh, photography, I guess, over the last few years. Tell me this. How did you find the camera? I realized I wasn't good enough when I was playing division three baseball to go any further. So, uh, <laughs> 
it's the simplest way to put it. I uh, I started with uh, using a lot of Photoshop when I was in high school and graphic design, and that was my first on-campus job when I got to my little D3 school, St. John's in uh, central Minnesota. And they ended up having uh, camera equipment in the athletic department. So and I started designing programs and magazines and tickets and i figured if i was designing and laying that out in photoshop and indesign i might as well pick up the camera and start teaching myself that and using my own photos so um that's where i got my start with the camera uh just learn by doing i've still have never taken a photo class in my life uh are you shitting me no never i've just uh I feel like I went backwards from a lot of people. So I understood sport and that's where I started. And then I just tried to figure a camera out along the way. And it took me a while, but I eventually got there. So it was just kind of natural though, with the being a graphic artist, the the visual concepts and understanding. Yeah. I was always attracted to like visual stuff growing up and definitely in high school when I found Photoshop and found a passion for like, designing my own baseball cards or like t-shirts for teams that are high school. And, uh, it was just a creative way that I just enjoyed. And then it just branched into photography. And then from there is I love sports. So that was just another way to keep me around the game of baseball or any sport in general. And, uh, I found a passion through creating art with sports photography and it kind of just kept growing from there. Wow. What uh, okay? So here's the most important question, probably then in this whole podcast is, what position did you play? Uh, besides bench, I played <laughs> outfield. <laughs> uh, were you were you uh, a decent hitter? Uh, I was a better fielder than hitter, that's for sure. Okay, well, um, I, I generally was our uh, defensive replacement outfielder if we were winning games. Oh, that's uh, late, good. Late in the game, so. that's good. All right. Yeah. Man with the glove. I had, my, I had I had my role. All right. It's good it's good that you knew it and then branched off and yeah. graced braced us with your beautiful imagery. <laughs> so did the athletic department take then at at was it St. John's, right? Or Joe's? Yep. Yeah, St. John's. John's. Yeah, because there's multiple Johns and see the Minnesota John. Uh, um did they take to you then like picking up this gear, this new kid who they've, you know, didn't have a photo program all of a sudden you're like i can do this do they take to that yeah it was great i mean that's i think for me and where i am now like i wouldn't be where i am without saint john's you know and it was with it being a d3 school it was there were no rules or it wasn't like shooting at a big division one powerhouse you know it was kind of like i got to figure out what i was doing and figure out the camera and everything on the fly and they kind of just let me go um, and that was, that was probably beneficial for both of us because we benefited from each other. They let me learn and, and grow as a photographer. And then I got to use all my photos in a lot of the different publications that we did. So it was, it was a win-win and definitely thankful for, for my time there. That's for sure. That is, that is very special that you had that opportunity because if you're at Miami, North Carolina or at Cal, that, that doesn't happen. Exactly. And I've always thought of that. Like if I didn't go to a small division three school, I probably, especially that school, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So it was just, it was a way to let me be me and learn as I went. And we both kind of embraced it. And, and here I am 10, 11 years down the road with 
working with my hometown team, doing, doing what I love, I guess. That's fantastic. When, okay. So you get the camera, you're, 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 you got your little side hustle, right? Making cards and all kinds of promotional stuff. When do you get this slippery slope of, I am starting to enjoy this camera. Probably, uh, early on my freshman year, freshman, sophomore year, like, uh, going to football games and taking photos on the sidelines, it became fun. I was like, I, I kind of enjoy this. And, uh, I still did the graphic design thing all four years, but I ended up doing photography all four years too. And I kind of, kind of loved them both equally because I was, I was doing two different things and getting to use my art in a different kind of art and, uh, seeing photos published while I was in college and on magazines at football games or basketball games was, was a, was a cool feeling. And, that kept pushing me to, to try to learn photography more and get better. And it was kind of a challenge because I, I didn't really know what I was doing in a sense that the more I shot, the more I got comfortable learning the camera, learning Photoshop and uh, just kept on growing throughout all four years there. You would think people would struggle with that, not having an understanding of the camera and then trying to go out and make the images you could and actually still feel the love for it and not get frustrated and quit. Yeah. I mean, I, my, uh, one of the first things I remember shooting was hockey and that's probably not the easiest uh, sport to start with, uh, with flickering lights and weird white balances. And so I kind of, kind of learned from there and it was probably cool to start with a difficult sport. And yeah, that's brutal. Because hockey can be real <laughs> brutal. So was there any mentors or anybody you bantered ideas off of? And like, excuse me, can you kind of explain this aperture thing to me? Yeah. One of my, my first boss at St. John's, his name was John Biasi. He was our probably our main graphic designer on campus. And he uh, he was very beneficial to me in design and photography. Um and it wasn't like he was a, a photographer by any means too, but he, he could teach me the basics along the way. You know, like when I first picked it up, I didn't really know what aperture priority was or like even the basics of shutter speed and stuff. I kind of sure. learned all that from square one and just learned by doing and shoot a game. It's like, why is everything so dark? And then come back out the next game and try to improve on that. And it was just step by step. And uh, it was definitely slow at the beginning, but, uh, he was very, very helpful to me as, as the days went on. That's where digital is your buddy because you can correct on the fly. If you were doing film, the cost, um, the delay in the processing delaying, all that stuff would catch up to you and become frustrating. Definitely. And I, I never got to experience that. So that's, uh, <laughs> right. Thanks. Thankfully, I, thankfully I started learning in the digital age and just kept learning by doing and improving day by day. And it was, it was a fun challenge for sure. I don't, I don't like being bad at things so that I kind of saw the learning the camera and, and photography as like a game. Like how can I improve every day or what can I do differently to make this game better than the last game? I kind of just played a game with myself as my years went on throughout college. Wow. So that camera really changed your life or at least your direction. Definitely. I, yeah, I, I had the idea of working for a sports team and maybe graphic design in high school and early in college. And even then though, I would say this, it, the industry has changed so much that back then, like graphic design wasn't a huge thing with organizations, no. photography. Yeah. And that was, that was 2000, 
10, 11, 12. So it's kind of amazing how far both industries have grown in the sports world. Um, I just always knew that I wanted to work in sports some somehow, some way. And photography or design, I thought would be my way in. And it turned out it was. Jesus, that's great. So by the time you leave school, are you thinking this is it? I'm hooked. This is my drug. Definitely. I actually, my first year with the twins, my first part-time year was 2011. So that was my junior year of college. Um, so I, I did stuff with the twins for two years while I was in school. And I mean, that was, that was a dream come true. Um, and just learning from there. Um, it was, I was driving down, campus was an hour and a half away, driving down, shooting a game, coming back late and going to class the next day. And I was, li- I was living the dream in a sense. Wow. That's unbelievable. So how did you find your way to the twins? Like where, where was that connection? Did you know somebody? Was there a, uh, something on a job board? No. So I, uh, so 2010 when target field opened, I ended up shooting a few, a couple twins games that 2010 season. And, uh, while I was there, I just introduced myself to people. I remember walking into the communications department where I work now and just introduced myself to a few people and tried to make, make a, just make myself known, I guess, let people know who I was, make sure I was following the rules, doing everything right. And then, uh, I remember one day I found a mistake in the game notes being a baseball nerd that I was. So <laughs> the little uh, innocent me walked back in the office that day and, and told them. And from then on, it was, they were friendly. We communicated. And then uh, I think probably January of 2011, I got a an email asking if I'd be interested in a potential part-time job with the team. And it was uh, kind of all downhill from there. I did a, a couple interviews and then I found out, uh, they offered me the job in between a, a double header while we were playing baseball down in Arizona. <laughs> now, what is your prior to the twins? Cause I mean, that's what we really want to get into, but what was your professional experience prior to the twins? Nothing. Just St. John's photography, I guess was about, about it. I did a few Minnesota gopher football games. Um, but yeah, I was good. God, man. And, you were yeah. thrown into the deep end. Of the ocean, yes. not a pool. Yeah, I went from D three sports and a couple maybe D one hockey games and D one football games into the right into the major league baseball my junior year of college. So it was learn trial trial by fire, learn by doing, and that's kind of what I did as a freshman in college. So what was the difference a couple years later and figure it out on the fly? I guess is the best way to put it. How'd you do those first, you know, couple of months or first year? I think I did all right. I mean, looking back now is like, I feel like, like how bad was I, you know, like how much I have improved since then, but I think I held my own and like, it was, I was shooting, uh, my hometown team. So I always had a passion for, for learning and trying, trying to be better every day. And I think I, my first year I might've shot one or two of the twins magazine covers. So like seeing that stuff in print was, it was like, okay, I, can, I think I can do this. And I had the confidence in myself and everyone I worked with at the twins was incredibly helpful. And yeah, they showed me the ropes and I was young. I was probably too young to be a part-time team photographer, you know, but, uh, they saw something I, definitely. And that's the, 
I kind of tell myself when that, when I applied, like there's no way I was the best photographer applying for that part-time position, you know, but like I give Molly Gallatin who hired me at the time. Uh, she's with the PGA of America now. Um, but she saw something in me and gave me a chance, which kind of changed my life for the better. That is fantastic. God love her. Cause I don't, whatever she saw that glimpse of creativity or something, I'm glad people do like that and pull the trigger and, and give someone a chance instead of saying, yeah, come back when you got 15, 20 years of experience. Definitely. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Cause by Very then, thankful for that. Yeah. Cause you know, you know, let's say 15 years from that experience, you might be like, I'm not doing sports at this time. I'm in advertising or I'm somewhere else or I moved on or, you know, yeah, my, my career trajectory probably took a, took a turn for the better with just that one little decision, you know? Hmm. Wow. So are you, if you look back at, if you break up your, what'd you say, 10 or 11 years? I just finished this. Yeah. I think it was, this was my 11th season. So if you took those first five years, right, that's kind of the birth of social media. And now it's like the driving force of social media. How has that changed in the way you cover baseball? Those compared to those first five years to like now for social media. I mean, the first few years, it was just you shoot. And then a couple of days later, you get your stuff done and up on our archive system or back in the day. And nowadays it's like, I shoot a home run and it's up on our photo shelter FTP for our social team to grab within 30 seconds of it happening. Um, Just the, the impulse need of photos nowadays is so much different than even 2014, 2015. Um, and just the way that the photos are transmitted. I remember when we hosted the all-star game in 2014, I had a friend of mine that was grabbing my cards and downloading them and editing a couple and then sending them to our social people where it's now I'm at an all-star game in 2019 and I'm sending wirelessly to our FTP, to our social people back in Minnesota. And they're just getting it just like that. And we're not even in the same state. So it's even just social media has grown so much, but just even like the way that you get photos to social media or people have changed a lot too. Oh my God. Yeah. Just it, it, I bet if I would have told you your first couple of months, son, this is how it's going to be in 11 years. You would be like, no, come on. No way. I can't imagine it ever happening. And sure enough, it is all about social media now or getting your photos up and out. Yep. I mean, I mean, even yeah, it's, everything's quick. If you don't get it up, it's like it's old news. Right. Because if between the fifth and the seventh, that so many things can change. A pitcher's out, a guy's, you know, come back around in the batting order, all kinds of things can happen. Yep. Yeah. Social media has kind of changed the way that sports are covered in general from, from all teams' perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you when you when you first started out, there were not that many people on their phone at a game. Now everybody's on their phone at a game, somehow devouring either your social media or on another social media platform. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed the way that people consume the game. So people might not watch the game on TV, but they watch the highlights and see our photos on Instagram after home runs and stuff like that. So it's yeah. changed a lot, that's for sure. Wow. Uh, what what are you using to transmit out your images? Uh, I just uh, right now I just have the built-in Wi-Fi with uh, 
with my Sony cameras and, uh, our IT department is great. We have, uh, the MLB press Wi-Fi in the fo- in every photo well and scattered throughout the ballpark. So I can kind of send wirelessly wherever I need to within the ballpark. Um, it's That's, pretty smooth. That is fantastic. Oh, that is such a blessing. How, how do you personally like to cover baseball, especially because you're a former baseball player. So you have that understanding of how the game, the inner parts of the game work. How do you like to cover a baseball game? I mean, I love it just because I grew up with it and I, I am a fan of the game. So it's, uh, you just, I don't know if you see it differently, but you see little things within the game, you know, it's not just, it's not just the home runs or the special, like the, the, the moments that everyone sees on TV, but there's a lot of moments within the game of baseball that you can attest to that are, that are different. It's not just the players too, but you have the staff and uh, the quiet moments, maybe in the clubhouse or in the dugout or the pregame handshakes or throwing the football on the field as pitchers get loose, just different things like that. I mean, one of my, my favorite hands down, my favorite thing to cover. And it's kind of cool. Cause now like our guys on the team notice it, but, uh, Major League debuts are my favorite thing to cover as a photographer with the Twins. Um, Just being a baseball fan growing up, I shoot a lot of our minor league stuff too, but like the road it takes for a a kid to make his Major League debut. Um, So I like covering that from changing in the locker room to walking on the field for the first time at bats and not always showing just the first hit swing, but taking in the big stadium and little things like that. a debut is one of my favorite things to shoot. And that's, that's one thing I love about covering baseball is one, there's a lot of games, but you never know what you're going to see every day. So there's out, there always might be something historical or something cool that happens that you might not have seen the day before or the year before. That was one of the things that caught my eye first with you is how you would cover like the double a or the minor league guys. You would go and cover that as hard as you were covering the majors, you didn't slack off being like, ah, God dang it. They're sending me to wherever I'm just going to get in and get out. Like you were pouring your heart and soul into making images. Yeah. I mean, I, I love minor league baseball and, and telling that story. And for me, it's like, it's a different way to, to recharge too. And creatively, like if, if I'm shooting a hundred major league baseball games a year and I go to this year I went to Wichita for three or four days, but it's different. It's a different ballpark. It's a different clubhouse, different people. And I can be more creative, but I'm also shooting guys that will hopefully be with our big league club someday. So it's, it's a, it's a great thing that the twins let me do or that they invest in too, is that we cover the minor leagues. We cover, they aren't just baseball players when they get to the big leagues, they're a part of our organization for a while. So we, we kind of try to cover players entire careers with us um but then that also works like when they get to the big leagues and i already have built a reputation or a relationship i guess with with some of these guys and the trust factor is there and i can be in some of those more intimate moments in the clubhouse when they're putting their jersey on for the first time and things like that so the minor leagues is a big thing for me i i I love it i love creating around the minor league stuff but it it also has a a good long-term advantage too for when guys make it to the big leagues too Oh God. Yes. Oh my God. All of a sudden you're not a stranger with a camera. You know, it's like, Hey Brace, how you doing buddy? God, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. I'm up at the show. You know, you're a buddy all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's definitely a, uh, 
it's a, it's a good thing. And then, yeah, start covering the guy's debut and it's photos that them and their family are going to look at for the rest of their lives. And it's a day they'll always remember. I wish, well, I wish that more minor league clubs, their major league clubs and minor league clubs were closer. So major league guys could do that. But I really do think that that stuff needs to be seen and it helps immensely if you can do that. I know I tried to when I when I could um, and get down and, and shoot some of the minor league stuff because all of a sudden, a year or two later, someone's coming up, and it's a big difference when they know you. Definitely. It definitely goes a long way. What's the best thing you love about baseball? Oh, man. It, it's every day, I guess. It's... For me, it's always a it's a chance to make to make a cool image to to document history and see something new, and it, it's a different way to be creative every day. Um, especially having being up here in Minnesota with an outdoor ballpark, it's you never know what kind of weather you're going to get. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but just like I, I appreciate the baseball grind, and it's it's different, um, but. It's it's the game of baseball. It's America's pastime, and I grew up watching baseball. And you always you see the the legends of the the greats that came before, and you're trying to shoot and document maybe some that will go down in history down the road too. So when you start in April, what are you wearing? And then July, and then like last week, because your your <laughs> your wardrobe completely changes because you're literally outside in the the, the real weather. Yeah, I mean, April, This we had a game against Boston this past April where it snowed. I'm probably wearing a jacket and a winter hat <laughs> and maybe some cold gear leggings. And then <sighs> June we, June or July, we got games where it's 95 degrees and sunny and we're rocking shorts and a T-shirt. And then uh, we had Toronto in town last week, late September, and it was 55 degrees and rocking a sweatshirt. And then... <laughs> This past weekend, we just finished, or this past week, we just finished up with Detroit at home, and it was 85 degrees. So it's the weather fluctuates here in Minnesota is a good way to put it. Uh, see now, you know, whoever your counterpart is in San Diego is like, ah, uh, yeah, wear shorts <laughs> and sunscreen, <laughs> like that's it every day. Yeah, every day from April <laughs> all the way to September. Like, there's that. That's where you guys really. Uh, you you well the advantage is like you see this right you see Jason stuff from Kansas City or even Steve stuff from Chicago they're cloud photos like I would have oh. died for some of those clouds yeah those it's mid- amazing like Kansas oh. City's close and we barely get sunset we might get one sunset like that a year and I feel like it, they get one every week yeah Jason's posted one every week and I'm like what are you doing jeez you're killing me it's so sad I would love something like that so, yeah. Oh, all right. So what's the double-edged sword then for you? What do you hate about baseball? What really just drives you nuts? I mean, I could probably just say the same thing I did. And it's like the grind, like you love it and you hate it. You know, it's the, it's the pressure of being on every day and in the middle of a 10 game homestand and you show up every day and you have to be ready, you know, um, missing missing some summer maybe some family events or things like that too it probably takes takes a little toll on you but it's uh it's the baseball schedule you love it and you hate it it's you get the chance to create every day which is which is great but you also 
you got to be on and on on your A game every day and be ready to be ready to tackle whatever comes at you. And you never know. You might have a celebrity show up. You might have a debut. You might have a potential no hitter that gets broken up with one out in the ninth. It's it's, it's a it's a blessing and a curse with uh, the baseball schedule, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks team photographer, Rod Mars, is a good friend of mine. And he was like, oh, yeah, my, my season's it's killing me. I thank God for the bye week. And I was like, are you kidding? My homestand is as long as your season. What? Come on. 16 games? Oh, please. Not, I don't want to hear about it. Like it's. I don't know who the fool was that thought 162 games was the right number. But good Lord, it's long. Oh. Yeah, it's a lot, and that—that's not even counting the uh, twenty-five, thirty uh, spring training games now, too. And and the month before, even those games even start. Yep. You know, you could spend three months at spring training. Yeah. Oh, do you do a lot of spring training? Yeah, I usually go down for, I'd say three quarters of it, um, which is which is a grind. This year, with all the COVID issues, I was down there from probably five days before we started just to test into protocols and stuff. And then I was down there the whole time and flew with our team to Milwaukee for opening day. So it was a full 45, I think it was 51 days. I was away from home with this spring and then the first, first road trip. Holy moly. Someone better water the plants. Good Lord. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Shovel the, shovel the driveway. Oh, or shovel your driveway. <laughs> yes. You come home and it's a fortress out in front of your house. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh man. All right. So let's play photo editor. What makes a great baseball photo to you? To me, I, I, I like showing, uh, I like, seeing the environment and whether it's the ballpark or um the emotion of the game um that's a that's a tough question for me but like that's just that's what i like showing off right and and trying to trying to show that it's not just a tight photo of a guy swinging you know like where is he or what ballpark is he at can you can you kind of tell what's going on in the picture from afar um and that's that's what I think is a, it kind of tells a story. I just, I remember looking in old like sports illustrated and old sports illustrated books. And you always had some cool, unique angles of ballparks back in, back in the early days. And it kind of told a story in that sense. And I've always tried to, I've always thought those were, were the best baseball pictures, you know? Right. Right. I mean, you, you're blessed. You play in a beautiful ballpark. Right. It's, it's a, it's very picturesque. It's nice. It's open. It's got great lines. I mean, that helps a lot. Definitely. That, uh, that goes a long way. I've been in, I've been shooting in some ballparks where it's like, it's kind of tough at times too, you know, and then you, you come back home to target field and we have, we have four photo wells below the ground that like, there's always you can always move around and change your angle or roam the ballpark and try to find something new, try to fit the skyline maybe in a shot or our target field mini and Paul in center field that's pretty iconic and um, it's it's a great ballpark to try to make great images in is the best way to put it. Have you ever tried to get access to the buildings in the outfield and photograph into the stadium? I did uh, not in right field. No, I've I went. I've been on top of a building beyond left field just to shoot some exterior shots, but I couldn't really see into the field. 
Um, a couple of years ago, we did a helicopter. Uh, I rented a helicopter for a night and shot a bunch of aerial overalls. And I did a few frames with like a 7200 zoomed in a little tighter on the field of the stands. But but that's but the extent I've done with that. Right. What so what is your process going into a game? Are you you know, you said you're a bit of a, a geek on the stats, so are you looking to see like who's hitting what, someone close to so many records and a double? What what's your process? Yeah, I kinda read the game notes, I guess, every game just to make sure I know what's going on or what could potentially happen. Um and then from there I just go out to the field and kind of just wing it. Um, I don't really go into a game with a plan unless there is a specific need, but um, just, yeah, I don't, what's I don't your know. What's your arrival time to the ballpark? What time do you normally get in? Uh, thankfully, the, the pandemic helped that because it used to be like 9 or 10 a.m. on a 7 o'clock game day. Yeah, um, I remember those, I, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, this year, I'd say probably like 1 or 2. Uh, for a seven o'clock game, sometimes oh. earlier, sometimes later. That's and a then, veteran. Uh, that's a veteran player schedule right there. <laughs> that's Albert Pujols. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That that kind of changed as the year went on and got better. And then, yeah, start be on the field for BP, uh, generally around three forty-five or so, and then a little pregame meal and be on the field by six 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 fifteen, maybe starting the clubhouse, maybe shooting some guys in the cage or getting dressed. Um, that's the stuff I look forward to and I'll plan, I'll plan ahead more for that stuff. Um, and yeah, once the game starts, I kind of just see what's going on, see who's pitching, um, kind of go with the flow. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're playing well or if we're, if we're up or we're down late and we have a chance to come back, maybe camp out by our dugout because guys will tend to celebrate that way a little more. Or if it's early in the game, maybe start opposite our dugout. Um, but yeah, like kind of like I was saying earlier, there's, there's 81 home games to shoot. So it's, if I miss something one game, maybe I get it another, get another day, but, uh, what do you know? There's a game tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. <laughs> let's do it all over again. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You're like one of the towels. They just throw you back in and pull you out tomorrow. All nice and clean, ready to go. <laughs> do you, do you have yourself set up a decent photo department where you have like, do you have interns? Or do you have a photo editor or are you very much still a one man band? I would, uh, we're up to pretty much a, a three person team now. I have a, uh, we have a part-time photographer that covers game days for us. Um, and they help with like pregame check presentations, first pitches, uh, seventh inning stretch singers, that kind of, they help cover that kind of stuff. And then I also have, uh, this is season four of having a photo intern for 40 hours a week. Um, Start usually starts in February, ends sometime early after the season's over, um, and they help with community events. They help with tagging and archiving our getting stuff up onto photo shelter. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a three person team that is very very helpful throughout the uh, the long baseball season. God love you and the Twins for doing that because I think everybody should have interns because that's. You know, maybe that's where young Brace would have broken into 11 years ago as an internship or something like that. You never know. Those are helpful. Definitely. I mean, I, 
I kind of learned from Dustin Morris, our PR director, but I've taken a lot of pride in our internship program the last few years. And, um, it's, it's definitely cool to see, to, to bring in uh, a younger kid and kind of return the favor, what, what people did for me back in the day, and then watch them grow as the season goes on. And it's, uh, it's a special feeling and uh, watching them get full-time jobs in sports after the internship is, I was telling someone the other day, but it's like, you kind of feel like a proud dad at that time. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a cool feeling. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, you're giving back to the community. Cause the, you, you know, this, the photo community is small. God knows it needs help. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's cool to, it's cool to one, you have help throughout the year, but you're also trying to grow them and show them what they can be. And hopefully they find, find their way in the photo world too. And it's cool to see all that come to fruition. You, we talked about it with the minor league situation, but you've got a great relationship with the guys. Cause you took a shot the other night where you peeked your head out from behind center field after they won to celebrate. And I don't know who your center fielder was, but he took a snap back to look and see who was sneaking up on him. And he was like, Oh, it's just uh, our guy. And you were making some beautiful shots, but you, you only do that if you've got a relationship. Definitely. And that's, that's where the twins have been helpful with, with that. And that, that's, I mean, that goes a long way to uh, what we talked about earlier with the minor leagues. Uh, Byron Buxton has been our center fielder now for a handful of years, but we drafted him in 2012, which was my second season. And I shot draft pick portraits of him when he saw, like when he was here, I shot him on the field. And uh, the next year I went to Cedar Rapids to shoot him when he was in double a, I spent four or five days in double a with, with that group. And uh, I got flown to Texas for his major league debut. And so it's like, Wow. I've kind of like with, with our kind of core with like Buxton and Sano and Jorge Polanco, I kind of, I've kind of grown up with them too, you know? So it's, they've, we've built that trust with each other over the years. And then we've now continued that with our other minor leaguers coming up with more minor league trips. And, but like that, the Buxton era twins wave that came up around that time was kind of the first wave we started shooting when they were younger. So it's, when they see me around with a camera, it's completely normal. And yeah, it's, he's great to work with. He's fun. And just little things like that. We kind of joke with each other that I'm always shooting somewhere. It's just once they find me, like you never know where I'm going to be. Kind of like <laughs> I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, it's, I, I was shocked when I started with the angels in 13 and maybe you were when you started with the twins, but how all 30 clubs, I mean, absolutely operated differently. There wasn't one club that slightly operated the same as the other. I mean, it was so far. I was shocked how we were night and day from the Dodgers, San Diego, Arizona, the giants. Like it's just, I don't understand how, not every every photographer is a full-time employee, doesn't get an allowance for gear, doesn't get like like you were saying they flew you out to Texas to shoot his you know his first major league game. I'd bet you dinner 25 major league clubs don't do that. They don't fly their guys or gals to go shoot someone's major league debut in in Minnesota or in Seattle or in Florida. Does that surprise you how how different all the other clubs operate? 
Yeah. And I, I've definitely learned over the years how, how different it is. And then like talking with other, other colleagues around the league, it's just, it surprises me in a sense, but I feel like it's, it's trending in the right direction. Um, you get more and more, more and more teams are hiring full-time photographers now, it seems like, which is a good sign. And more and more teams are covering their teams more, uh, which is good. And we, we as team photographers generally have better relationships or better access that you can, you can tell a better story if, if you're on the road or at home or, um, it's, it's good to see it extend beyond just postseason travel now, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's come a long ways. I mean, that was, I shot Buxton's debut in 2015 and I'm not sure how many, yeah, we're just documenting his career from day one. It's, I mean, one example we talk about is we had Joe Maurer, who is one of the most iconic twins of all time. Number one overall pick. Um, but the twins don't really have, they don't really own any photos of him from his minor league days. Um, so it's like, you never really know who's going to be great or who's going to, you know, pan out. So why not shoot everyone from when they're young? And then when it happens, it happens. And you have their career from start to finish, you know? Yes. God love whoever, you know, it pushes that because, you know, I know Jessica at MLB has her hands full, but I wish somehow she could make a PDF and send it out and say, guys, here's a blueprint just kind of do this and we can all kind of be the same, but you, like you were, like you said, it is trending, you know, to hiring more people. But like when I first started, my first game was a road trip in Cincinnati. So I'm trying to call and see like, who's a Cincinnati photographer. I'm coming into town. And at that time they were freelancing two guys. They didn't even have full-time employees. And when I got there, they were arguing with each other about how they were going to shoot the home opener. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is not good. Not good. Like, this is how this is my first day. This is how it's going to be like, Lord, help me. <laughs> but it's gotten better, which is good. Yes, that's that, definitely a good thing. And it's it's cool to see that the 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 twins are one of the teams that value photography and traveling and covering the teams and stuff. And it's 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 fun to see other teams besides like the Yankees and the Red Sox and, you know, like some other smaller market teams, like the Rays are really good at everything. Now the Royal, you see Jason and the Royals and it's, it's, it's a lot of the, the smaller teams are, are following that photography blueprint and marketing their team with, with a full-time team photographer and showing off more than what fans can see on the field. And that's a, that's a big thing is like give, give an inside look to your team, you know, the, the personalities of the guys and other stuff that besides just swinging a bat or throwing a ball. Do your fans eat up your stuff? Do you guys have a photo I, blog or something that they can be seen every night? Uh, we don't do a photo blog every night, but I, I run a, a twins photography Twitter account, which is separate from our separate twin social media accounts, which is just another avenue to show off photography okay. and then we do a photo blog that we we maybe pump out a couple times a year or after big play or big nights um and that's just another way to to push the envelope that way so there's we have a few different avenues to show off photography outside of our primary twin social channels now you said your your photo one is on twitter yeah it's just uh twins pics on twitter is the uh 
I kind of just call it the twins photography account. So right. it's, now why not Instagram, which is kind of known more of a, of a photo platform. It's a great question. I've, I've thought the last couple of years about starting one. It's just, I don't know. Um, well, before this I, podcast I gets published, make sure you pick it up so somebody doesn't swipe it from you. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll get one going. Uh, just because I know with Twitter, like, uh, it's not known as like the place to go for photography, but you know, an Instagram does have more uh, boundaries. But then its copyright situation with them is horrible, so that can always be dangerous. Yeah, the thing I like with like twins pics on Twitter is that Twitter is easier to to spread the photos per se with like yeah. fans retweeting it. And our team account sometimes retweets twins pics or like things like that. I think that's helpful. Whereas I feel like Instagram might be a little tougher to, to build the audience from the beginning. So mm -hmm. are you a day game guy or a night game guy? Which one do you prefer? Ooh, uh, night games. I like, uh, especially being up here, uh, in the North, you get some, you get some nice long, long nights with the sun doesn't set till nine nine thirty, and oh, uh, man, that's yeah, nice. I'll take I'll take a July night game in June or July night game in Minnesota any day of the week. Oh, you lucky little guy! Damn, that's nice. And so, summer nights in Minnesota when it's seventy five degrees are tough to beat too. Jesus. Um. Do you, would you classify yourself? Would you wear the brand? Are you a, a gearhead, a geek on the gear, or do you just use what you use? I'd say I'm probably in between. I'm not, I'm not a, a gearhead per se, but I, I've found what I like as I've gotten on, you know, and as I said earlier, like I didn't really learn photography. I've always just, shot and then figured the, out the rest and that's kind of the same way I, with gear too it's uh try out a couple lenses a couple bodies and see what you like and then go from there and now it's now i kind of have my rotation of, of stuff that i like to use and that's kind of my my look or what i like to use or show off and it's kind of trended that direction into into a gearhead i guess yeah because you made a big switch a couple of years ago i saw when you started you know dumping gear for one for another and you moved to sony are you enjoying that extremely well yeah i i love my i love the switch to sony i i started i don't know two or three years ago now i started with like one body and one lens and then just kept slowly transitioning and then prior to the right before the 2020 season uh, I became full-time Sony, so to speak with from the 400 <laughs> on down with everything Sony. Um, but I start, I started with a Sony body back in maybe 2018, 2019, but I loved it. That was my first mirrorless camera, but it was, you could go, you could shoot in silent mode. So that was big when I, when I was doing behind the scenes stuff, like in the cage or in the clubhouse. And I wasn't a, a major distraction to the guys with just shutters going off. Yeah, in the clubhouse. So that that was my main slow transition to Sony or the mirrorless world too. But it was just a different way. I like I usually if I was in the clubhouse and I rattle off a couple of shots and it's a couple of shutters and everyone looks up at you and it's just not the same. Whereas when I first got that, I could I could stand in the clubhouse and just 
rattle off a few and no one's staring at me because I can't see anything. Well, they were probably looking at you thinking, you know, hey, uh, idiot, your camera's not working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not making any noise, you fool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked, you know, so many guys have switched. Andy switched, you've switched. It looks like, uh, uh, looks like, um, I think Matt has switched. I don't know. There's quite a few people. Kelly said, I talked to her the other day, she would switch if she won the lotto. Yeah. Yeah. I know Matt just switched. Uh, he just got a Sony 400 the other day, I believe. So. Yeah. Slowly I, but surely. I would, I would right now. And I'm not even with the club anymore, but I'd switch. I, they gave it to me for a couple months and I used it and I thought, good God, this stuff's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was a little scared going into it cause I had used Canon my whole career and I, I never had any problems with it and I was kind of jumping ship and doing something new, but it worked out for me and I don't have any regrets. Oh man, that's beautiful. So what's your, what's your daily setup? What do you like to go out and have on your shoulder and around your neck and, and work with? What do you like? I mean, every day it's the 400 for sure. Um, and then after that, um, I usually go with a, a short lens and that's usually the 24 to 70 or I, I like using the 35 one four prime a lot now. Um, and then after that, it's when you're shooting so much, it's, I just kind of change up my lenses every game, unless I have some specific need. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of just roll with whatever I'm feeling like that day, but I, I like using primes. Um, when you talk to Dirksen, he's probably going to say the same thing, but he got me on the, the prime train a few years ago, but, yeah. uh, I could have like, like, yeah, that's a beautiful train. Definitely. Like <laughs> a one thirty, like our, our photo walls are really close. So a one thirty five prime is perfect for home plate and batters on the inside wells. So I'll use a, well, 135 and 85, a 35 and a 400. And it's, uh, every now and then I'll bust out the 24 to 70 or the 70 to 200. And those are my, my boring lenses per se. Right. Um, I try to use the primes as much as possible and, uh, wide open. Yes. Always wide open. Um, beautiful. It's, uh, so beautiful. I, I, I love the look and it's, maybe it's a little different. Uh, than oh, usual, it is. but it is. I'm high fiving uh, you from here. It's a great look. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's. I don't really have a set uh, a set plan every night, but usually I grab a couple primes and roll with it and see what happens. Are you a remote guy? Do you shoot many remotes? Not really. Uh, I feel like I shoot enough games. <laughs> <laughs> you don't I'll need. Do, I'll do. I'll do remotes like uh, if we have a postseason game or a potential clinch situation, I'll set up remotes. But uh, even then, I'm not I'm not the most confident with remotes. I guess I, I've set up a couple last year in the postseason, and then like one fires and one doesn't, and so it's a lot of trial by trial by error with with me when, in remotes. But I usually don't set it up unless there's a maybe we have a full ballpark and I'll set up a wide angle or an opening day or something. But maybe once a month, but not too. Uh, don't do them too often. All right. Where, what, what do you think? You know, this is, this could be up for anybody's opinion, but what's the best photo baseball photo? I'm going to pigeonhole you to that, that you've taken so far. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I probably have 
two, but they're on the same day. So Joe Mauer's <laughs> la- last last game um, in 2018, he uh, he put on the catcher's gear for the first time since his concussion. He had play, played first base for six, uh, like four or five years, yeah. and we thought it might be his last game. And then the morning of that game. My my boss Dustin called me into his office, closed the door, and told me that Joe was going to catch a pitch that day, and that if I told anyone, I would be fired. And Joe wanted me to be around and to know that that was happening. Um, so, long story short, um, our bench coach kept giving me the thumbs up or thumbs down because we didn't know when he was going to catch. And it all depended on how the the game shook out. And then uh, late in the game, I got the thumbs up and I followed Joe back from the dugout into the clubhouse. And we didn't know where he was going to change or put his gear on. He ended up walking back to his locker. Um, And I got to be in the room with one of the most iconic twins of all time. And he was putting on his gear and sitting in his locker and shedding some tears and that was probably one of the most easily probably the most iconic photos that I've taken from a, from a twins perspective. Um, and just being in there and knowing no one else was able to capture that moment makes it a little special. Um, and then when he walked on the field, I, he went to home plate and I went behind home plate and got the Minnie and Paul target field logo behind him as he tipped his cap to his family up in a suite. So, I would say it's definitely a toss up between one of those. And it's a matter of deciding between the, the quiet, intimate moment where he was crying that no one else really saw, or the, the moment that he was on the field that 20, 30,000 people saw and appreciated and took in for Joe's last, last moments on a baseball field. Now, when it was just, you know, you're in that quiet moment when he's putting on the gear, are you realizing that moment, how big it's going to be? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I had the chills and I might've like, I didn't cry, but I was like, this is, it was difficult watching him go through that. And then me one needing to focus and, and do my job in a sense, but also like appreciating the moment that I was witnessing was, was difficult and cool at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I did not realize how popular that, that shot would be for the rest of probably twins history until I really got to sit and look at that after the game. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like you're trying to be professional and you're trying not to get emotional because you realize it is a big moment and it's an ending moment, right? Like it's not him winning the championship. It's a chapter closing in his baseball career. And to try to take all that in professionally, it's, it's a difficult situation. Yeah. And it, like, and you're young in your career at this point. Yeah, this was yeah 2018, and I grew up as a fan. I'm I'm a, I'm a Minnesotan, so I grew up as a fan of Joe Maurer. You know, like yeah, I was a baseball player in Minnesota in the early 2000s, and everyone wanted to be like Joe. And then fast forward, I got to work with him for seven seasons, and then I got to capture the. He wanted me to capture the moments of his of his final game. You know, so his it was kind of a weird and surreal moment as a, as a baseball fan, as a twins employee and 
everything in between. It was it was definitely special to be a part of, and thankful that I was able to to document that that day in Twins history. That is that is really special. That is really special. That's nice. Now you've got. <laughs> You got 30 competitors or 29 competitors in Major League Baseball, but you are probably got to be one of the top in in shoe games. You got legit shoe game. <laughs> What's going yes, on I, there? You always been a shoe guy? Yeah, ever since I was in uh, middle school or high school, I was already always trying to wear LeBrons or Iversons <laughs> when I played basketball. So I kind of just kept on going and then, yeah. Last hey. couple of years, I got to come out of my shell a little bit more and show off some some shoe flair. I guess. Yes, there you go. So, are you pigeonholed? Do you guys have a uniform you have to wear, or are you kind of, uh, you know, just it's long as it's twins attire color, don't show up in like lime yellow or green or something. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's really rules. It's just as long as I wear twins apparel every day. Um, they just want me in twin stuff on the field, mm-hmm. and then other than that, it's. I'd say most of my most of my kicks have been twins colored, except I've tried to get a little, gotten some few more colorful pairs lately that don't really match my my twins t shirts <laughs> that I wear every day. But uh, it, it's funny how everybody dresses like when I was with the Angels, you had to wear a red shirt, so we looked like red stormtroopers, and it was god awful, you know. But then <laughs> like you go up to Oakland, you see Zagaris, and he's dressed like he's going to take batting practice. He'll have his cleats on his his green belt, his shirt. He's got the Oakland A's hat on. And then the first time I meet Billy in Boston, and it looked like a young accountant came out to meet me out on the street. I'm like, who's, oh, you're the photographer. I thought we were going to talk numbers. It's, it's interesting what everybody has to wear. Yeah, definitely. Thankfully, we're a little, we're a little rela- relaxed when it comes to on the field. And as long as I'm in twin gear, that's, that's pretty much the only rule that I think I, I've had. That's good. Not a big fan of dress codes to begin with. So. Uh, yeah. All right. So how many how many baseball games do you think you got uh, now under your belt in eleven years? It's got to be a huge oh. number. What do you think? I would say easily over easily over twelve hundred. Oh God. Oh, I've probably done a your poor eye. Yeah, I've probably done a hundred a year at least. This year I did one hundred and fifteen. Jesus, man. So. Yeah, it's definitely over a thousand now. You traveled that much with the cl- you traveled that much with the club this year. Uh, I think regular season games. I think I was probably around ninety five, ninety. Okay. Um, so I cut one or two road trips, and then <laughs> spring training. I think I did twenty or twenty five this year. And oh, then I did that's about, right. Uh, probably about nine. I probably did about nine minor league games, <laughs> different affiliates. So we talked about it before we started, but you you have a trend with other younger photographers of leaving after the season and recharging your batteries and going on trips. How does that help you? I mean, does that does that feel like it cleans your palate and rejuvenates your batteries and every other kind of cliche you can say about getting away from baseball and, and doing that? I mean, that's the best way to put it. I mean, that's I didn't really know that going into it. But I found out that I found out quickly after doing that how much that kind of revitalized my creative eye and traveling and even taking some like landscape photos or northern lights photos. And it's a different kind of photography, but it's a different challenge and it's a new technique to learn. But just getting away from the sport uh, was definitely very helpful and 
starting over the next season with spring training with like a, a clean slate and a new a new outlook. But take taking that time for for myself and traveling, getting away is definitely definitely something that I, I started to do a few years ago. That's definitely helped, and I will hopefully continue to do as the years go on. Yeah, I mean, it, the 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 lights were beautiful. The trips. I mean, you're sh- there's a big difference between shooting a play at second and a mountain that's not going to move. You know, it, it it sometimes it's just nice. Just- yeah, it's just just being out in when I've traveled to. I like I've tended to go to a lot of places in the middle of nowhere just to get away from from people in the city and just kind of be in nature. Not quite the uh, Dirks and wildlife photographer, but I do, I do I do like I do like my mountains and northern lights and and nature in that sense. No moose have rolled up on any of your photo shoots yet. No, no moose. Uh, nope. Now, are you reselling any of those? Do you get an agency, Getty, or anything, or are doing stock? I mean, some of that stuff's just gorgeous. Yeah, I've thought about it. I do. I've done. Uh, I've actually done a decent amount of like prints on my own. Um, the Northern lights ones tend to be like the most popular. Um, but outside of that, it's just kind of, just kind of do it for myself and see what goes on from there, I guess. Do you take a buddy or or a girlfriend or you just, you just go as a nomad by yourself. So there's not a, you know, another person that wonders how long you're going to stare at this mountain and take a picture. (laughs) Uh, I've done all of those. Uh, (laughs) So it's it's a little mix of everything, uh, friends, girlfriends, everything. And if someone's willing to go somewhere with me, I'll probably do it. So that's good. I'm not picky. Yeah, I, I got a trip planned next month, and it's just to Arizona. But there's like three parks I want to hit, and I'm just going by myself, loading up the car, and I just need to go rejuvenate the batteries. And I think that's the best thing photographers can do, and I don't think they do it enough. So that that constant grind and baseball can do that to you of just the same thing over and over and over again. You just go, oh, oh, look, another play at second. Oh, oh, guy, yeah, a pitcher throwing a ball. Hmm, lovely. So yeah, it is good to get away and and do that. Clean yourself. Definitely. That's uh, it's. I look forward to baseball season every year, but I also say I kind of look forward to to travel season every year as I call this now too. <laughs> so what, what do you, I know we're still COVID E COVID light COVID ish restrictions. Do you have something planned? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking at Iceland. That's usually a go-to. I've been there three or four times already. Um, but it's an easy nonstop flight from Minnesota and it's just, is it? It's a, yeah, it's about a five, five-and-a-half-hour flight from Minneapolis. Oh, that's not bad at all. a nonstop all. flight multiple times a week, and it's just a, it's such a unique climate uh, landscape. People are great. The food's great. And, I mean, that's that's an easy easy one that I, I can do every year. And then after that, it's, I don't know, there's a handful of countries in Europe that are open to Americans right now, so that's definitely a possibility come November, December, and I've, I've been over to Europe in December a couple times now and Christmas markets are kind of a, maybe the most underrated thing about traveling to Europe in December and just hanging out outside with, with people and sharing food and drinks. And it's definitely unique and you only really get that in the U S when it comes to, to that type of season. Right. And that's, that's the baseball challenge wherever you're going, unless you go to the Caribbean or somewhere far, you're going in through someone's winter, 
Right. You're, Definitely. You, yeah. You know, you, I guess you can go to St. Bart's or something, go down to the, go down to the islands, but everywhere else it's, it's winter unless you go far away. So you got to deal with that challenge. Yeah. And being a Minnesotan winter, winter in, uh, winter in some European countries is, uh, 35 degrees, you know? So that's like sweatshirt weather for us. So <laughs> winter, winter in a lot of those countries is pretty easy. It's like going to From San Diego. <laughs> You're bringing shorts and sunscreen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's great. T- uh, tell me this, uh, where can people find your work? Uh, Instagram is a, is a good location. Uh, just brace Hemelgarn on Instagram and also Twitter. Um, and then my website is uh, racehemelgarn.com. And from a lot of the, also a lot of stuff on just the twin social media pages is uh, another great way to look too. All right, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes because people got to see the, the the work is is fabulous. It's top notch. I'm so proud of you. You're just killing it. You're making great stuff. I mean, even I don't know how long the Twins have been out of it. Probably a couple weeks out of the playoffs, but you were still making unbelievable stuff. You didn't quit or anything. It's good, good stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate your time. You go get your flight to Iceland, and hopefully we talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right. You're the best. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Bryce Himmelgaard. Please click the like button and subscribe as well. You can always find all of our shows on the website, justagoodconversation.com. Thank you.